In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey guys, have you ever wondered why so many men today finish wrong and so few finish strong? You know, we even see this in the Bible. It is a massive problem and you're going to love my conversation with Bill Newton who wrote a book on how to finish your life strong. Hang on guys, this episode's going to get crazy. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of today's show and Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. We help Christian men be their best version in that stress bubble of life, raising their family and beyond. Guys, we're excited and we're humbled that you've tuned into our show today. But before we get into our interview, I want to launch with a hero story. Now remember, our hero stories are given to us by you, our heroes. We're not the heroes of Men in the Arena. Jesus is the ultimate hero, and you are the hero in the story that God has placed you in, because when you get it, everyone wins. When you get it, your your world, your circle of influence changes. And this one comes from, a, from Running Grateful on Instagram, all the way from the United Kingdom. And he said this, I just started to listen to your podcast. I was saved by Jesus last year and becoming a better man every day. I think that is so awesome. He continues, this is just what I need right now to go to the next level. Consider me the UK branch of men in the arena. Anything I can do, just let me know. Now that hit me. Here's a brand new Christian saying, anything I can do, just let me know. In fact, he's already willing and asking how he can give back. And man, that is so important, and that is so impressive that you give back to those people and organizations that help you. So thank you so much for that. That is pretty awesome. Guys, hit us up at info at menandarena.org. Send us your physical address when we use your hero story or your man law, which is coming up later on in the podcast, and we will send you some swag. Hey guys, make sure you stay tuned to the end of this podcast. We unveil our man law for the day. But guys, again, I want to say thank you for making this podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Guys, you're going to love our guest today. He is Bill Newton. Bill lives in North Carolina with his high school sweetheart. Now listen to this. 
They dated for six years and they've been married for 53 years. They've been together for 60 years. That is a heck of an accomplishment. And so uh, Linda, and it's an accomplishment for his wife, Linda, as well, I'm sure. So Bill graduated from the Naval Academy as president of his class. He was the scholastic All-American in football. He went on to complete 250 combat missions in Vietnam, earning five distinguished flying crosses. Bill is passionate about seeing men become the biblical leaders they should be. He's the author of our topic, our subject for today, Endure, a Christian man's guide to finishing strong. I'm so excited to have him on because as you know, of our five essentials of manhood, finishing strong is the final one and I'm passionate about this. So Bill, so great to have you on the show today. I'm tickled to death to be here, thanks. And I know I said this offline, but I just want to say publicly, thank you for your service. I'm a massive fan of the military. In fact, we we give our books away to active military. We just believe in what they're doing. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. So, hey, Bill, before we get into your book, can you just give us some more uh, of your backstory, uh, any information to bring our audience perspective? Well, I I went to the academy. I coached football for a year. went to flight training, then went to Nam, uh, became an admiral's aide, uh, went to Harvard Business School, worked on Wall Street, uh, came out and did two turnarounds for Boise Cascade as a general manager, uh, then went to Progressive Insurance and became executive VP where I grew up as a poor kid and I made more money than I ever thought possible in my <laughs> life. Uh, and I left Progressive. Uh, the The story of leaving Progressive is in the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, then I bought uh, my first company and bought six others, sold, sold out to an American stock exchange company. And my wife and I just didn't want to retire and, and go play golf and travel. Uh, so I became ordained to the ministry, uh, taught in a seminary in Africa for almost a half a year. And if God would ever change my wife's mind, uh, I'd be over there and die over there. But uh, <laughs> but she likes showers and electricity. And, yeah, uh, they do. Uh, and, and those things. So I came back and started a little church, and I still serve on several boards and pastor this church and then manage our uh, finances. That's that's a little quickie. Now, how old are you now, Bill? 75. 75, and you're just going strong, man. Well, you've done a lot of stuff. You've finished everything. You started very well. And I think you're the perfect candidate to write a book called Endure, A Christian Man's Guide to Finishing Strong. So I'm really excited about this book. Now, you said that, quote, this book is a collection of principles learn from godly teachers and preachers and a life filled with athletic military business family mission field and pastoral experiences why did you of all the titles you could have written under why did you go with this one well i thought for men uh the book is written specifically for men yeah so i i've often had women ask me why why do you say that and i tell them um you know, it's got short chapters, yeah. uh, but then they're very practical. And so the reason I did that is to let them know that this is not some ivory tower, pointy-headed intellectual 
thing. This is about real world stuff that occurs in business, in the military, uh, in counseling, in real life, being a father, being a husband, uh, all of those things, Jim. Well, I really appreciate the book. And honestly, I appreciated how easy the book was to read. Each chapter is two or three pages long. I think the whole book was uh, well under 150 pages. It was very, very fun. In that book, you list your top 15 traits or aspects of finishing strong. Uh, And you said this in your book. You said, quote, finishing this race of life spiritually faster than we began it and doing so in a manner that brings glory to God is what I mean by enduring well and finishing strong. And so can you explain, I I really love that. What I'm going to do during this podcast, I pulled out the top seven of the 15 uh, items uh, at your chapter titles, because we don't have time to talk about all 15, but I really was intrigued by your statement about finishing faster than when we began. Can you explain that? Uh well, what I mean is that we uh, we begin our. I love the comparison of race or competition, and maybe that's because of being an athlete my whole life. But it's the idea that uh, that we should keep growing. And I've I've told my son and my daughter and my wife, look, uh, I don't think we ever stop growing. I don't think we ever stop learning. And when we come to the point where we say, I think I'm, I'm there, that's a mistake because we, we are never there. And I think God is continually working on us and helping us to grow. And the idea of being curious and uh, diligent uh, and running hard uh, all the time till God takes away the the stamina and the energy to be able to do it is just a healthy way to look at at growing but it's and i i think you probably i hope you saw from the book it's it's growing from the inside out not the outside in it's uh developing the mind and the heart that's properly uh attuned to god and satisfied in God alone. I love uh, uh, John Piper's way of saying that God's most glorified uh, in us when we're most satisfied in Him and Him mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. And I think we we never quite get there. And so the desire to to ask God to continually help us to fall more in love with Christ, the more that happens for real, the more my external uh, language and behavior and actions and even my smile and demeanor changes. Yeah, but that, it's from the inside, not the outside in. Yeah, and that was very clear in your book. And, and, and I really resonate with this topic. It's, it's, it's alarming how many men in this world, historically and present day, finish wrong. And so when we look at those few men that finish strong, we have to go, what what have they done to finish strong? And you know, I spoke at a men's event in Bend, Oregon a couple uh, weeks ago, and we talked about reverse engineering your life. And when I read this book, I think of, if you write it like a guy who's gone ahead of us, 
You said, here's what it looks like at the end. Now let's work backwards. And so as you work backwards, you give us 15 traits and how we can uh, finish strong. And I, of course, I've narrowed it down to seven. But, you know, Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm confident of this very thing. He began a good work in you. will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And then as you were speaking, I was reminded of 2 Corinthians 4 that says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And that's really what your book is about. It's about this inward renewal. So I'm going to start with a, the, these aren't trait, these aren't chapter numbers, but these are how I'm numbering them. So the first trait to finishing strong that really impacted me was on page 30. And it was, you simply said, Hey guys, you need to know your goal, know your goal. And you wrote, this deals with a two-part question. What is the goal of a fit, strong finish, and how does one accomplish that goal? And and so and then you you talked about uh, our uh, keeping our objective simple. So when you when you look at this objective to finish biblically strong, what do you mean by knowing your goal? Um. Well, what what I mean is, uh, I think especially as men, we can be focused on. Uh, doing oh. you know we we love books and we love speakers who give us three easy steps to a good marriage or five easy steps to uh uh you know quit cursing mm -hmm. or whatever things uh, and so what i was after in that is the goal is an internal change and it begins with, and I, my guys who I teach around here are probably tired of hearing it, but what we, what we uh, believe, which is really theology, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is tested by the trials of life. It becomes a conviction, then an attitude, then a behavior, mm -hmm. so that our behaviors are connected to what we actually believe. I tell them, you show me your wallet, and you show me your day timer, and I can tell you what your priorities are. I, I don't need anything more than that. So it begins with the mind, and when the Bible talks about the heart, it includes the mind and the emotion and the will. So it's all three of those things. So when we read it in the Bible and it talks about uh, the heart being deceitful. Mm. It begins with what we believe. That means we've got to know God's word so that uh, for men, I can't say, well, I'll let my wife teach the kids or I'll let my wife be the, the priest in the household. No, no, no. You uh, need to be into your, but I don't mean just a, a little old daily, uh, you know, little snippet. I mean, you n have read through the Bible so many times that the Bible is in you. I, I love what Howard Hendricks once said to an individual that came to him and said, well, I'm always in the Bible. And Howard asked him, he said, well, that's really good, but is the Bible in you? Uh, and so when we do that and then we begin, we really begin to know who Christ is and what God has done for us through Christ, we fall more and more in love with him. Mm. 
And when we do that, it changes everything in our life. Uh, it changes our language. It changes our step. It changes our demeanor. It changes what we do. It, it may change all kinds of things that are, frankly, sometimes frightening. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Well, we, well, I agree with you 100%. When I read this, know your goal, I go back to Philippians 3 where Paul says, but I press on to the goal of the upward prize of Christ Jesus, my Lord, right? And so for me, I go, hey, man, it starts, it starts with knowing and surrendering your life radically to Jesus Christ and living a biblically obedient life to the best of your ability. And so that is our ultimate goal. So this this makes complete sense to me. I just finished a uh, five-week series on why you can trust, six-week series on why you can trust the Bible on this podcast, because I believe that if men will live in radical obedience to the Word of God and they know, and the goal is to become like Jesus, it all starts with that. That's why I made this my first of the seven traits. So I think this is a, a, a great place for a man to start. And actually, also finish. <laughs> if this yeah. is all a man does in his life, he's going to have a strong finish. But, but there's another trait that I thought was interesting, too, because we can be focused on the prize of Jesus. We can know the goal. But so, in this world of social media, in this world of fame and fortune, guys get lost uh, in who they are. And so strong trait number two for me is your chapter uh, that starts on page 44 that is focus on what you can become. And you said in that chapter, you said, quote, what we are meant to become is distinctive for each of us, just as the race before us is unique. Why, and, and, and Bill, why is this so important to become who God made us and not someone else? It's, uh, it's extraordinarily important uh, because God makes each one of us. I love his uh, Paul's illustration of the body. You can't mm -hmm. have a body with 15 hands mm -hmm. and 12 legs. You have a body with all different parts. And therefore, each individual is, is made uniquely by God gifted uniquely by God and therefore they they need to develop who they are and what's unique to them mm -hmm. one of the dangers of giving a testimony is that people sometimes think well I've got to do exactly what this fellow or this woman did mm -hmm. that would that's a big mistake we need to, especially when we're given a testimony, we need to emphasize the, the fundamental issues, which is God works by his spirit mm -hmm. through the word of God to change us and to bring us to Christ. And that happens in all sorts of different ways. And then he develops us based on how he gifted us. Uh, I, I love the illustration of I played basketball and I was a short-armed, six-foot-tall white boy, and I always wanted to dunk, to dunk. And the closest I came was to get my fingertips over the rim. I could never dunk, and I tried as hard as I could. God didn't make me to dunk. Yeah. The only way I can dunk is to get a trampoline in front of the <laughs> basket and, and jump on it. 
but that didn't mean I was a bad basketball player. I was very good as a point guard. So I can be satisfied with that instead of worrying about not being able to dunk. Now that's a stupid sports illustration, but um, one of my best friends at Parkside Church, we went to lunch every week, was a dentist. He was as opposite of me as you could possibly be. And we loved each other dearly, but he, he was a believer, a strong believer, who I learned a great deal from because he was totally opposite from me. Mm. Uh, and so he developed skills that were different than mine. I developed skills that were different from him. When we got together, we each honed each other to, to build each other up in something that we didn't have, not either one of us trying to be the other person. Is that the yeah, answer? Well, I think that's 100% right. You know, God has given us, according to Rick Warren, a spiritual shape, spiritual gifts, a heart or passion, abilities ta or talents, a personality or temperament, and life experiences. And we need to stay in that lane. And when we veer off, when we veer off and try to become someone else, it's almost like saying, God, what you made wasn't good enough. Yeah, I'll I'll take over and and I'll make my own design. Well, the problem with a self-made man is he worships his creator, right? So that's not what we're about. We're about being guys that worship our creator. So that was really good. You know, you know, it's funny when you I, I'll I'll read over fifty books by the end of this year, and I, I think I read over sixty last year. And so for me, when I read a book, Bill, if I can just take one thing away, if I can remember one thing from any book, that means it's a good book. And so I will always remember one thing from your book. You taught me something that I didn't realize was so theological. And so I, I'm really grateful for that. So the strong finished trait number three is take responsibility. And you're probably scratching your head, go, what did I write that would impact it? <laughs> well, here's what I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna laugh at this one. You know, God, you said God intends you for you as a man to be ultimately responsible for what goes on in your family. I've used this one phrase. I've heard this phrase used. We use it tongue in cheek, but there's a phrase out there and you really called this phrase out. And I'm never gonna use this phrase again. I'll always think of you. And the phrase is this, if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. And you said, hey, I love what you said, Bill. Every time you said, I hear that saying, I cringe. So, so why is that statement theologically so untrue that it causes us to cringe? Well, cringe was the nicest word I could come up with. <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, I, I, every, every man understands what's being said, and then everybody laughs and nods. The problem with it is that it's theologically inaccurate. That is true. It implies in it that mama and her decisions within the family are the most crucial. And so what, what happens, I think, for men, and I, it's part of one of the reasons why I wrote the book, is I think men are uh, inundated with messages that in essence say, uh, if you were just more like a woman, you'd be really okay. That's nonsense, biblically. Mm -hmm. yep. God gave men larger shoulders, 
a different sort of personality, a, a different psyche a, in order to lead the family properly mm -hmm. and well. And when we say that, it implies that mama's in charge. And that just feeds into this overall uh, cultural uh, tidal wave coming at men, which I just want to explode. Yep. Uh, it's, it's first, it's biblically untrue. It's not accurate. And it doesn't help men to see that we ought, I've had to learn the lesson to listen to my wife. Yes. She's different and she's unique and, and God gave her to me as a blessing. But there's a difference, and you see this as a CEO all the time. You hear all kinds of advice. You, you want to listen carefully to all of it, but you don't take all of it. That is true. You are the one responsible. And so there are often times when you have to say to, to mama, look, I love you. You're the, you're the uh, pearl of my life. Uh, but in this situation, I've got to do what I think God wants me to do and not what you want to do. Uh, and if you're going to be mad at me, you're going to have to be mad at me. Uh, but I answer first to God and then to you, not the other way around. And we need to help men to see that and to have the confidence and the compassion to do that, to speak that truthfully, lovingly, and gently, but forcefully. Well, I want to say this to the guys listening. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what pop psychology says. I don't care what uh, liberal theologians say, here's what I'm going to say to you, men. You as a man can delegate everything except final responsibility. You are the one in charge. God, I've had guys leave my ministry because I believe that men are the leaders of their household. I believe when a man gets it, everyone wins. And so when I read that, uh, I laughed and I cringed at the same time because it really is a statement that Christian men should not make because over time we believe, okay, well, maybe that is true. I exist to make mama happy. And that is just not biblically true. Yes, I'm a servant leader. Yes, I'm called to sacrifice. Yes, although God has given me broad shoulders, uh, typically men die before their wives. There's a reason for that because we are the servant leaders of that family. So I really appreciate what you said there. It, it, it is outstanding. And the fourth strong finish trait, and I threw this in here in the middle because I'm rehashing some things you've said, but you said this, you had a, you've had a theme going over and over throughout the book. And I wanted you to have a chance to really dial it in and unpack this theme on a deeper level. And here it is. Trait number four of a strong finisher is to think in biblical terms and i could have put this right below uh you know know your goal right pursue jesus because it's it's so vitally important you said in your book bill quote if you are to think biblically you must know your bible you must immerse yourself in the rich treasury of human history that the old testament provides you should pray and ask god to imprint on you the truths that jesus taught so ably about the practical issues of your life and i i, I love how 
you love the Word of God. Can you speak to these men about how important it is for them to know the Word of God? Uh, it's it's absolutely essential. It's uh, I liken it to, um, you know, when I flew airplanes in in the Navy, I flew A6s, and we had an, a NATOPS manual that was probably gosh, it's been so long since I looked at it, it's probably a thousand pages long. Wow. And and our lives depended on uh, what what we knew about that airplane. Uh, and so we studied it. Why? Because it was important to living. Uh, I think the thinking that's, that's goofy amongst men is that the Bible is not important to living. Mm -hmm. It is the most important book that we have. There is very little in life, and I won't say there's nothing, because there are lots of things that it doesn't deal with exactly, but there are very few things that are not conceptually dealt with in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that background in, in you, not uh, just uh, vaguely where you know the Christmas story or something like that, that it's, it's got to be, like, like I said before, it's got to be in you uh, so that when a circumstance comes up, you can think, oh, uh, that's similar to what happened to Abraham or that's similar to what happened to Joseph or, uh, or gosh, Paul went through the same thing in such and such a circumstance, and I wonder how they dealt with it. Those things are important. Or uh, illustration is, I'm on a board with a wonderful fellow. I won't name him, but he was in a, a dispute over seven figures, and the other party was a, a, a Christian. Mm -hmm. And because he knew his Bible, he would not sue the other person, even though he had a good case to do it, because the Bible said, don't sue another Christian. And God, over time, honored that in a way that we never would have even considered. But had he not known that Paul spoke about that in Corinthians, he would have never been able to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The same goes with marriage. Uh, the same goes with divorce. Uh, the thing that kept me in my marriage, because we've been married 60 years, or not quite 60, but 53, it's not always been, uh, you know, marshmallows and roses. <laughs> there was a time when if I hadn't known that God hated divorce, divorce probably would have been what we chose. But because my wife and I both knew it, we we fought our way through it. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But if you don't know those things, you won't act on them. So that the knowing helps the doing. Yeah. And I, so it's, well, I just love what you're saying here. You're saying think, don't just know the Bible, but think biblically. That's what I hear you saying. Think yes. biblically. It's, it's one thing to read the Bible and know the Bible. But it's another thing altogether to think biblically. I think a lot of time we think secularly. We, we think about worldly things. We make, like one of the phrases I hear when it comes to marriage all the time is, oh, well, he's emotionally abusive. 
And I'm like, that's not thinking biblically. You can't, you can't use that argument. What does that mean? He called me a name. You're going to divorce him because he called you a name. Well, you're not thinking biblically. And so uh, this is what we, men need to learn. uh, The men listening to this need to learn to think biblically. And that's what I appreciate about what you're saying. It's not good enough to hear a sermon once a week. It's, it's about knowing the Bible biblically. And I think we need to be patient with ourselves on that as well, because Mm. when I was in Africa teaching, I had a huge computer problem. um, And I spent all day long working on the computer problem and got nowhere. Toward the end of the day, I realized I'd never prayed and asked God to help me. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times I've preached and taught and said, you know, the first thing we need to do is is pray. So here I am saying I need to think biblically, and I screwed up and didn't do it. Uh, and I think we're, we're all prone to fall into that trap. It's just at least at the end of the day, I came to the realization, gosh, I haven't prayed. I yeah. prayed got up the next morning and fixed it within 40 minutes. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it took being stupid for a whole day to get there. Well, you know, John Wayne once said, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so strong finish trait number five. And I really, I resonate with this one. Develop a mind for the things of God. And you said this, quote, if you want to finish strong, you must develop an exercise regime for your mind. But you didn't stop there. You said that is rigorous. So how does man? How does a man exercise his mind rigorously? What do you and why? Why did you include the word rigorous? And and what does a rigorous regime of mental exercise look like? Um. Well, what I was trying to get at is. Um, that it's not enough to just have a daily devotional, you know, where you read a little snippet and then you get a little gist. uh, And through that, most of the time, all we do is get maybe another thing to do during the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we need to do is learn, as Paul tells Timothy, to rightly divide the Word of God. Mm. so that we understand the importance of context, that we understand that it, it's important to uh, understand what the original writer m- meant with the original hearer yeah. uh, before we go to uh, trying to figure out what do I do. I remember, I think it was uh, Chuck Swindoll who uh Uh, coined the phrase S-Y-I bubble studies, meaning share your ignorance. (laughs) And what what he meant by that was it's really almost foolish and maybe even not even helpful to read a passage of Scripture and then say, okay, what does this mean to you? Mm -hmm. I don't really care what it means to you until you know what it meant to the original writer to mean to the original hearers. After that, then we can start talking about, okay, now how might you apply what they meant there? 
but when you go to it, it it's the the foundation for liberal theology. Yeah. To read a passage and simply say, what does it mean to you? Or where does this take you? Or that's not rigorous. That's simply saying, oh my goodness, what kind of imagination do you have? I don't really care. And I don't think God does. God speaks to us. He has a message that he wants us to hear. And it's not a message we make up. And so learning then, as Paul says, to rightly handle the Word of God, and there are numerous ways to do that. I suggested that one by Howard Hendricks, but I know there are others that are equally as good, but something where you're, you're actually getting into the Word, Bible Study Fellowship is a great place to, to get into it. Uh, but just reading it and then chit-chatting with a bunch of other people sometimes is worse than actually being in it. Yeah, well, you, you said in your book also that the mind is like a muscle, right? So when, when I'm picking up a romance novel, I'm not exercising that muscle. By the way, I don't read romance novels, in case you're wondering. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, as a man, we need to exercise the mind, right? It's a muscle. So uh, get involved in, in nonfiction books. I love to read. I'm a big fan of reading about wars, you know, Vietnam War, World War One, World. How, why did these happen? What happened? What did the guys do that made them so valorous? You know, uh, you know. Look, reading books of, on leadership, nonfiction books, reading books that describe, you know, the why the Bible, what about the, about the Bible? You know, uh, reading commentaries. You know, I've got MacArthur's commentary behind me. I know you mentioned MacArthur a couple times. You know, this mind as a muscle. So you're 75 years old, uh, Bill. What do you do to exercise your mind? Um. First off, I, I teach uh, Thursday nights and then Sunday mornings. So I'm, I'm into the Word thoroughly uh, on, on both of those days. And then every other day, I'm, I'm into the Word just in a, you know, in a different place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in, in those cases, um, I've probably been indoctrinated by Alistair Begg Mm. Uh, uh, thoroughly, I, I I came to Alistair as a a pragmatic uh, business guy, and he uh, uh, broke me of that with theology. <laughs> uh, at least there's still a place for pragmatism, but not theologically. Correct. And so he has uh, thoroughly uh, drummed into my head to. Uh, uh, to learn more and more and more. I've got a extensive library. When I prep, I'm probably going through six or seven commentaries before I get there and looking at the Hebrew and the Greek uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. words. And, um, that you know, it's one of those things, Jim, that even if I've taught through a certain verse, uh, two or three times the bible is so uh i think fascinating and and deep that it's like peeling an onion yep you, you peeled it the outward uh shells out and every time you come back to it you go good grief why didn't i see this the the last time 
it's like it seems so obvious now um, and so you just dig into it and I try and help all the men that I teach to always ask the question not not just what can I do from this but what can I learn about God about what he's done about uh, how I am to relate to him and who he is so that every passage has something to tell me about who God is, uh, what he has done for us, and then how we're to relate to him. And so if you, if you dig at those questions, you come to a lot different conclusions uh, than, than you do otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to find somebody new who is looking at it in a in a different manner uh so that i could uh you know get a perspective that i never thought of well i think that's really important you know one of the ways we exercise our mind is by engaging with people that don't agree with us necessarily or have a different perspective we you know we live in a world today that really you know packs up its bags and moves into their state instead of dealing with and dialoguing with people who believe different that's one way to exercise our mind so uh, along with that is strong finish trait number six and i really enjoyed this and you talked about cultivating a god pleasing appetite and in, in that chapter you talk about you know uh, uh you know controlling your passions and appetites through discipline uh, i love to use the phrase the phrase make dif make decisions against yourself how does the ability to make a decision against yourself play into this idea of self-discipline and controlling or a uh, controlling or cultivating uh, god-pleasing appetites uh, well i think paul puts it this way he says there there are certain things we say yes to and certain things that we say no to uh, and one of the people that I admire greatly is a fellow named Tom Petersburg who worked with mm. professional athletes for over 30 years and when he read the book the first time in the rough draft he said you know you've got offensive things and you've got defensive things mm -hmm. and he said you need both mm -hmm. he said it's just like a football game you can't just have offensive things or just defensive things. And so part of what I had in there was I think as a result of Tom's uh, re reading is, you know, it's an offensive thing to cult cultivate. And I, by that, I mean, offensive like football, positive, yeah, totally. not, not uh, uh, offensive, but being negative. Uh, it's, uh, it, we want to build on those things and we can we can exercise the yeses by saying yes to certain things we put in our eye gate certain things that we put in our ear gate uh, certain things that we allow out of our mouth uh, I think I speak in the book about how God changed my filthy mouth yeah, yeah. Uh, and those things are are things that we want to build on uh, and and try and extrapolate further. Uh, you know, you said you read 50 books. It's important that those 50 books be things that build you up. 
not take you down. Uh, so your selection of books is important. Yeah. Your selection of TV shows is important. Your selection of movies, uh, your selection of magazines. It's why pornography is so dangerous and and mm -hmm. uh, uh, debilitating for men. Uh, it's it, it's the opposite of doing uh, of building a good offense. Yeah. Uh, and and so those things are just extraordinarily important to think about and and build upon uh, both the offense and the defense what do i say yes to and what do i say no to uh and we want a a, a fair amount of both of those things well and, and part of cultivating these god-pleasing appetites especially when we're replacing them with a appetites that aren't healthy is to develop a health healthy habit patterns so that's a phrase from your book that i've never heard before can you unpack uh, this concept of habit patterns and why they're so vital in a man finishing strong uh, i it probably comes from being an aviator in in uh in the navy because when you when you got on deck at, in a carrier uh, it was probably 110 degrees on on the deck. Uh, wow. The deck is the deck is black. It's humid. You've got seawater all around you. You've got a flight suit and a, a survival vest and your helmet and your mask and your boots and your gloves and so you're 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 sweating all the way through your your underclothes. There's a temptation when you go around and pre-flight the airplane to uh, to skip things so they can get in, turn the airplane on, and get the air conditioning on. But if you do that, you might miss something that which might eventually kill you. Uh, so that you develop a habit pattern that says, I'm going to do the, all of these things uh and I'm going to do them always so that I never uh, have to think about even uh, screwing it up. And I think that same thing applies then to our, our, our lives uh, to get into a habit pattern of uh, certain things that I know I do and I, I will not do certain other things. If you know that you're not going to tell a lie, then it makes very easy to answer questions like you ask or or your wife ask you. You don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. You just you just give the answer. I mean, you may screw up, uh, you know, given a an inappropriate one or maybe a not a kind one, but you're uh, you're always going to be truthful because you've said to yourself, "I'm not going to tolerate lying." Uh, I'm not going to go to certain kinds of places. I'm not going to, uh, I remember Billy Graham wouldn't allow himself to be alone in a room with a, another woman uh, because he was so uh, adamant about not yeah. being, uh, uh, being able to be uh, at, at risk. Uh, you know, when I, when I owned a company, I always kept my door open, no matter whether I was 
uh, in a private conversation or not. Why? Because I didn't want to be in there with a female with the door shut mm -hmm. uh, or anything else. Uh, things like that that are that are habits that you just do and people who then know you uh, get to realize, you know, you may not like what he says, but what he says is going to be straight up. Mm -hmm. uh, those are, I think, essential for us as believers. I think it's, if you, if you look at the life of Daniel, I mean, he was in the habit pattern of praying. So even when he was in what I'll call extremis, that is, his life was at stake. Mm -hmm. His pattern was to go back and pray, and he did so, and he trusted God in that. And you, you, you ask, are these things godly? And if they are, you do them, and then you leave results to God. Yeah. Uh, and I view that, especially when I'm counseling with people, often as well. I mean, you do the right thing. I've told that to my son many times son do the right thing and and leave the results to god mm -hmm. uh and so you're not trying to compromise or you're not trying to uh manipulate things to make things work uh, you do what's the right thing always and and then you don't have to worry worry about it well you you told a story in your book about uh, one of your fellow pilots who didn't put a seatbelt on, and uh, his he had an emergency situation. He ejected without the seatbelt. His his seat came to earth nice and safe. Unfortunately, he wasn't in it. And he died. And you talk about your habits and being a forming habit patterns. You said, "quote Your life depends on right habits." And so many men I've seen that have failed in life have failed because wrong habits finally caught up to them. Is there anything you want to conclude on habit patterns? Well, the, the probably the main thing, because it was the fellow one that helped uh, encourage me to write the book who, who failed. You know, I think we need to be very careful with the opposite sex. Uh, yes. You know, I, I don't want to uh, go to go to lunch or dinner with the, uh, a young lady. I want to be careful of my conversations with with ladies. I want to treat them like sisters. Not there are certain intimacies that, uh, even as a pastor, there are times when I will say, you know, I need to have my wife in here Absolutely. because this is this is getting beyond what what I need to be into. I think. Because I think uh, I don't view my, myself as any stronger than the fellow who failed there, but for God, could I be going down yeah. the road? Yeah. Uh, I could fail on that if the circumstances were right. And I want to uh, make sure I don't let myself get in those circumstances. Yeah, that's so powerful, man. Well, I, I really have appreciated your book. What's the best way for our men to get a hold of you if they have questions, want to get a hold of your resources? Uh, they're welcome to uh, uh, send me an email at newtonb3 at aol.com, and I'll respond to everything I, I can. Uh, and uh, 
I, I would love, I, I help a lot of guys and I, I do pretty well with guys. I can get in big trouble when I get with ladies. So, uh, yeah. uh, even though I've had a number of ladies read the book and say, uh, this book's just as good for women as it is for men. And I've said, well, that's okay, but, but it's directed for men. Yep, I don't counsel women either. So, well, hey, guys, uh, here's what we're going to do, guys. Let's get our boots on the ground. What are you going to do right now because of what you heard from Bill and his book on endurance and finishing strong? Here's what I want you to do. But when this podcast comes up, we're going to be close to the new year. So I want you to look at your life. What kind of – what do you want to see happen at the end of 2023? So fast forward from a year from now, look at your life, and I want you to reverse engineer it back and what habit patterns do you need to form to be that version of you? Begin to work on those habit patterns now so that the man that you look at in the mirror in 2024 is a better version of the one that you see in the mirror today. So Bill, thanks so much for coming on our show. Sure appreciated uh, spending time with you and uh, have a great day and God bless, man. Uh, thank you very much. Hey guys, as we close out this podcast episode today, I wanna end with a man law. Uh, this man law comes from Tim McNamara, and he said this, never trust a man without a little gray in his beard. Now, you might be saying, well, I'm only 18. Well, let me go back. Never trust a man without a little gray in his beard. The life rule here is accept the pressures and responsibilities of being a man, guys. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And man, we're excited to help you become your best version of you, the people you love or depend on. Hey, and make sure you head on over to menandarena.org, grab your copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Until next time, feel the wet sound of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of defeat. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.